0: And uh, remember that when we're talking about kingdom keys, we're talking about a way of doing things. That's what a key is, is the way of access to something. It denotes authority, it denotes access, it denotes responsibility. Um, You know, that's that's one thing about hearing the word preached like this. Hey, Dean, what's up, man? (laughs) That's one thing about hearing the word preached like this is that we have to understand that... um, you know, if, if you're not going to apply anything you hear, then it's almost better for us not to hear it. <laughs> because every time we hear something, we gain the responsibility of having to go home and apply that and live that out, which is awesome. Because, you know, if we're not coming here to, to get changed in any area, then what are we really doing? Um, and, and I'll tell you, that goes for me. I might be up here preaching, but the words that we're getting, um, you know, you, I still have to find ways to apply it myself. Uh, I'm not beyond that just because I'm saying it. I'm just in the position that God has placed me. Um, so, you know, when we're hearing this word, especially on the keys of the kingdom, remember that we're always confronting, uh, you know, a former way of doing something. We've been removed from a kingdom of darkness and placed into a kingdom of light. And so we have to keep that in mind because there is a repentance issue that's always taking place um, nonstop. And so we always have to keep in mind that we're always putting former things down. Um, And I know for myself, you know, I'm still, you know, basically new and fresh to the kingdom message. And, uh, you know, Pastor Earl and, and Marcy were up this weekend, and we were just talking about the kingdom a lot. And it just never gets old, just talking about it and learning it and finding new ways to apply it and finding new ways to read the Bible. I mean, ever since then, when I read the Old Testament... Uh, You know, I used to shut that stuff off, you know, and you know, I've been good about reading my Bible through the year. But, you know, you just kind of do the Old Testament because it's there. You know, it's part of the Bible, so I need to read it. But the New Testament's where I'm at. That's what's exciting. But now going back and reading Chronicles and Kings and Ezra and Isaiah and the prophets and seeing the kingdom lens on that, it's it's a whole new ballgame now. Um, Pastor Earl and I were talking and he made a, a great point. That I think he had heard from somewhere. And you know, most of us, when we think about the Bible, we think about Genesis 1, creation. Man shows up on the planet. Genesis 3, man sins. And then what do we do from there? We jump all the way to Jesus. And then Jesus came. We usually go straight to the cross. We don't even worry about what he preached about or what he talked about, what he did. He did, he did some few things. He did a few nice things for people. But then we go straight to the cross And then where do we go from there? Revelations. And one day we're all going to go to... You know how much of the Bible we just just ripped out of the book? I mean, we didn't even cover full books. We didn't even cover full chapters. We just went to events. And that's what a lot of us as Christians have done. But the kingdom is the perspective that puts the whole Bible back where it belongs. I mean, it puts... You know, the middle of Psalms back where it belongs. And Isaiah and Malachi and, and you know, we, we've read some stuff uh, out of the Old Testament and it, it just changes things. It's just a new lens and it puts the whole thing back in perspective and helps me understand why I'm reading this. And so, you know, we need to come uh, with that mindset when we're preaching on kingdom keys. Uh, this is how you now access things that before we were always busy. I'm not talking about things that people aren't trying to access. A couple weeks ago, we talked about provision. Everyone's trying to access provision. Everyone's trying to get wealth and finances and money. Uh, last week, we talked about health. Everyone's trying to get health. Everyone's trying to be healthy. Nobody wants to just die. No one wants to get sick and rot away. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about joy. And we're going to talk about fighting anxiety and worry and depression, those things that steal joy. And everybody wants that. Nobody wants to live just a sorry, sorrowful, depressed life. Yet there are people out there that are doing that, and they are trying to access joy through an avenue that now when we get into the kingdom we don't we 're not subjected to those uh, those realms anymore we 're not uh stuck with that option and alternative of going and seeing a doctor or taking a pill or Uh, You know, think happy thoughts. I mean, those things that just don't work. And so tonight we're going to talk about the key to joy. And um, we're going to talk about how to get joy in our lives. So go ahead in your Bibles, turn to James uh, chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to go right to the beginning in verse 2. James chapter 1 verse 2. He says, My brethren, so he's talking to believers, my brethren, count it what? All joy. Now watch this. <laughs> this is going to blow your way. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. He says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I want to stay right there in verse 2 real quick. He says, count it all joy. Not just some of it. Not just every now and then. Not just the good stuff. He says, count it all joy. But then, watch what he says. When you fall into trials. Now, most of us are pretty good at counting it joy when we get out of a trial. But he's saying, count it joy... When you get into a trial. Now, what the heck is he talking about? He's saying when a trial comes to your life, when a test comes and approaches your life, something that is trying to, to get you down, something that's uh, you know, weighing you down, he says to count that joy. Count it all joy. When you fall into trials, when tests and trials and the enemy's knocking at your door and you feel like you can't get anything done and nothing's working and everybody's leaving you and, and, and your job, you know, you're barely hanging on there, you got no money. He says, Count that joy. If James were here right now, we'd all punch him in the face. You tell me. You tell me to count it joy. You come, you come walk a day in my shoes. You come walk a day with the co-workers I have. You come, you know, with the paycheck I get trying to meet all these needs. You, you come try to take care of these kids and live with this wife and this husband. And he's saying, count it all joy when you fall into, <laughs> not when you get out. So what is he talking about? First of all, we have to understand that joy apparently is not based on the situation. And see, that's what we do. We've made joy situational. We've made joy circumstantial. When things are going good, then I'm joyful. That's when I'm happy. That's when I'm excited. That's when I'm chipper around people. That's when I have a great attitude. But joy is not based on situations. Here's what he's saying. Joy is a perspective Joy is a perspective. How do I know that? Because right there in verse 3 he goes on and he says, Knowing that. Those two words right there. Show me that this is a perspective. See, it's different when you see a trial head on and it's all you see. It's right in front of you. But now if we change perspective and we get up on top of the thing, what do we see? We see the trial, but then we see beyond the trial. See, James is saying here that we can have joy based upon what we know, not because we're just excited to have trials and tests in our lives. It's because we know something beyond the trial that's in front of us. We have a different perspective. So, joy is a perspective. Here's what most people do joy is, a, is a, an emotion. I'm showing joy, I'm joyful. And we got to cut that out. First of all, for believers, joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit. I should never hear a believer tell me, I should never hear a Christian tell me that I, I just can't walk in joy today. I just can't do it. That's like telling me you can't walk in love. That's, telling, that's like telling me you can't have peace. It's like telling me you can't be long-suffering with people. That's like, that's like telling me that you, you can't be faithful or operate in faithfulness. Self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is in you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And so joy is always there, ever ready to come to fruition. So, since it's there, how do we get it? How do we gain access to it? What is the key to joy? It's a perspective. Now, what, is, what changes this perspective? Let's go down a little bit further to James chapter 1, verse 22. I'm going to go down 20 verses. And in 22, he says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, And immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. The word of God. And continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer. But a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So he goes on down to say. That the word of God is like a mirror to you. It shows you who you are. It shows you. Let me put it this way. The, the mirror or the word is the perspective that you need to look at your situation through. It shows you what your situation is really all about. All you see is a bill that seems like it can't be unpaid. Or it doesn't seem like it can be paid. But now we look in the word of God and we know he supplied all my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So this trial that's coming... Is actually just a very small thing. You know what? I'm going to have joy and I'm going to operate in joy because of this thing. The Word of God now brings it in perspective. The Word is God's perspective on the thing. It's His perspective you want. It's His perspective you want on the situation that you're in. So joy is seeing things from God's perspective and the Bible, the Word of God, is God's perspective. So... You could put it this way, that depression is an attention issue. Depression is an attention issue. It is dependent on what you're giving attention to. And we know these people in our lives that they just always seem down. They just always seem depressed. They always seem like, you know, nothing goes, nothing goes right From How am I going to get out of this? It just seems like we're so far down. Things are just so horrible. Well, listen to what they're talking about. Because they're not saying the word of God. Uh, They need to listen. And you could probably get an idea of what kind of environment they're around. tell you right now. You're not going to be happy around depressed people. Can we all attest to that? When you get around other people that are depressed. (laughs) You feel depressed. And life's great man. Everything's going good. But I just sat around these Debbie Downers. And now I feel just as low as they do. So we gotta be careful that, that we're a product of our environment. So if we just find ourselves just around negativity all the time, and, and you're not gonna be positive around negative people, you're not gonna be joyful around depressed people, you're not gonna be happy around sad people. We have to watch that. And there's you know obviously times when you can't get away from them. if it's coworkers, you're just there. So then you get to be the catalyst. You're the one that walks in and just, man, you know what? This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. And everyone else is like, what the heck? But you get to be the one that changes that. You get to be the one that changes the environment for everyone else around you. So joy is not an emotion. Joy is not just an emotion that we, oh, I just feel joy. Like, I feel sad and I feel happy. It plays on your emotions. But joy is not an emotion. Joy is a perspective in the mind, it's how you see things. Now, why is this so important? Because that's what depression is. See, depression is not an emotion. I'm just depressed. No, you're emotionally depressed, but emotion, the, uh, depression itself is not an emotion, sadness is an emotion. But see, here's the thing about depression. Depression goes beyond just being sad about something. There's things that happen to us all the time that make us sad. But we get out of it. We move on. Depressed people don't. It is a mental blockage in their head that keeps them from being able to move beyond that. Same thing with anxiety. And same thing with worry. See, you're not going to go to the doctor because you're feeling sad one day. But there are a lot of people that go to the doctor because they have anxiousness need to calm their nerves. They're, they are feeling depressed and just, you know, I just feel like there's a rain cloud over my head every single day of the week. I, I worked in the pharmacy for several years. And it's amazing how many medications are out there to cure that stuff. Uh, and it's, this is what's ridiculous and this is where the enemy gets you. I really believe that there are some medications that they just literally put a, a stronghold of the enemy on people. There's, one medi- there's several medications out there to cure depression says, for the first 14 days, the side effect you may have is suicidal thoughts. You You get to go down further before this thing brings you back up. And man, I hope you make it past the two weeks. I hope you don't lose it all and take yourself out of the planet in the first two weeks of this thing that's supposed to be turning your life around. I can promise you right now that the Word of God does not have a side effect of Possibly you thinking about killing yourself. I'll tell you that right now. So again, we are looking at a different alternative and a different option. Okay? So joy is the perspective that God's word gives us on our daily life, on our our situations and our circumstances. He is saying here, when he says count it all joy, he's saying do not find yourself only being joyful when things are going good. That's what he's saying. That means that you literally have to have joy and operate in joy when things are going bad. And that's the hard part. But remember, we've been saying this in just about every arena and anything that we've preached. That on the inside of you, your spirit is already there. This whole life is about trying to get the outside of us hooked up with what's going on on the inside. The outside of us is already, uh, uh, or the inside, our spirit man is operating in joy. Our spirit man is joyful. It knows I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have this thing. beat. It's this thing we're trying to get around. And if I can't change your thinking, then I can't change your living. We've been saying that for months now. Probably since day one we got here. So that is what we're trying to get. And depression is a mental block. It is a mental issue. That is what that is. That's what anxiousness is. It's in your mind. And usually things aren't even as bad as they are. As you make it out to be. It's just an area that the mind, that your mind goes and that the enemy is attacking you. So the word of God is God's perspective. So guess what? It's an attention issue. If we can get in front of the Word more than we get in front of everything else, there are people that literally make themselves depressed because all they do is go home at night and watch CNN and Fox News and they get in their bubble and media is manipulated, man. They're going to make it seem bad because they want you to take action. They want you to side with a certain party. I remember listening to that, going, going to work, and all I do is hear the newscast. I mean, I'm not even watching the thing, and I got to get it, the feedback from everybody else. Did you just hear what happened in California last night? Man, I can't believe that president's going to do that. Man, I, you hear about the economy. We're at an all time low. Then guess what? Sometime later that day, I'm going to hear about how they're about to lose their job. That's funny because we both work at the same place. <laughs> and I'm not in the same position you are. Why? Because I'm not giving attention to what you are. So that's where people go wrong is, is what they place in front of them. They look at the mirror on Sundays. And then Monday through Saturday, they look at a different mirror. And depressed people and anxious people, they're always looking at something that's telling them who they're not. I'll tell you what it is. Anxiety and depression is an identity crisis. It's exactly what it is. You're mixed up in who you are. You're looking at something that isn't even rightly telling you what's going on or what your current condition is. If you can look at CNN and look at the economic issue and feel all of a sudden that you're in an economic issue and you really aren't, that is an identity crisis. I had millionaires when I worked at the bank coming in. Scared about their money. Now I know they worked hard for it. And I know that this is their life savings. This is their retirement. I'm living off this for the rest of my life. I understand that. But to literally come in scared for your life. Because you watched the news last night. And you have a, you have a million dollars in your bank account. Right now. <laughs> and that's all we see past. We get in the box of economic crisis. I'm in an economic crisis, when you're really not. So we have to, it it, it puts you in a box, mentally, because of what you give attention to. What you surround yourself with. Depressed people, they just want to hang out with depressed people. They don't want to talk to people that will give them answers. Depressed people, uh, anxious people that are always anxious about stuff—they don't want to talk to people that are just calm and and easygoing. And they feel like they're the ones that are wrong. Why, why is everything so calm? Don't you know what's going on? Don't you know what's about to happen? Why are you so excited about everything? Can't you see? I mean, be, you know, we're losing family. I mean, people are moving away. I lost my job. I mean, blah 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 blah. And and you're the one that's wrong for being calm and excited about life. And everything's going good. So they put themselves in these boxes. Now, Jesus has a little bit to say about joy. And it's the connection that he makes is awesome. So go to John chapter 15, verse 11. John chapter 15, and verse 11. And he says this, he says, these things I have spoken to you, his disciples, that what my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. What did he expect to help them remain in joy? His words. He says, what I've been speaking to you, what I've been saying to you is so that you will have the joy that I have. And that you will remain full of joy. You can be joyful because of God's word. He does it one more time. John chapter 17. John chapter 17 verse 13. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world. That they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Again, he's tying it to his words. He's tying it to what he's saying. And he's saying, the words that I've been speaking, they are so people will be able to remain full of joy. Now, here's the crazy part about this. John chapter 15 through uh, John chapter 14 through 17 is this is the last night Jesus is spending with his disciples before he's going to the cross. And he's talking about Joy. He's talking about His joy. He said, the words that I've spoken, the words that I've been speaking to you, they are so you will have my joy. What kind of joy did Jesus have? We'll go on down to Hebrews chapter 12. This is going to really put us in a situation where we really should have no reason not to ever walk in joy. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance that, the race that is set before us. Watch this, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy... That was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This verse is telling me that Jesus literally was excited and joyful about going to the cross. That is how much joy and how often we should operate in joy in our lives. Why? Why could Jesus have joy in going to the cross? That is not a very exciting event in his life. That is not. I mean, if if there's any time for Jesus, the man, to be depressed, this is it. And you couldn't even. There's nothing you can say about it. Jesus, why do you feel so bad? Why are you so depressed? Well, I'm getting ready to die on a cross and take on a lot of punishment. Oh, yeah, I see. I understand that. I mean, what can you say? You're not going to look at Him and say, well, man, you need to perk it up a little bit. You should be excited. But it says that Jesus was joyful in enduring the cross. You know why? Because He had the Father's perspective. He knew what was coming on the other side of that trial. He knew what He was getting ready to go through, but He knew what was going to take place after He endured all that. He knew, man, once I go through this cross, once I endure this punishment, man will be redeemed. The kingdom will be restored. Sin will not have to reside in man any longer. I can send my spirit, place it inside of man. And everything that I've been doing for the last three years, they can do for the rest of eternity. That's why he was able to be excited. He had joy. He endured the cross with joy. He endured the pain and the suffering with joy. 1 John 1.4 That's obviously John writing. And he says, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. He's saying, The word of God that is written, is written so that you can be joyful in everything in life. So, What's the answer when we don't feel joyful? What's the answer when depressing things happen or things try to get us down? Where do we go? Do we go to other people? Do we go on Facebook? Do we go to the news? Do we read the newspaper? No. He says, get in front of the mirror and stay in front of the mirror. Give attention to it. Because he said, the one that doesn't walks away from the mirror and immediately forgets who he is. Then we jump right back into that identity crisis. Man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Man, I'm I'm real anxious about this thing. Man, I'm just so sad. I I don't know how to get past this. I just feel horrible. I, I need something exciting to happen. No, you don't need something exciting to happen. You need to be the happening excitedness that takes place. It's in you. You are the excitement that needs to take place. You're the one that needs to show up and say, I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care what the storm is. I don't care what trial and test I'm going through. I'm going to endure it with joy, knowing that, which is what James said, knowing that, I'm going to get a different perspective on this thing. Yeah, it, it, it may seem like hell right now. It may seem like everything's falling apart. It may seem like things are breaking loose in my life. But I am going to loose joy, and I'm going to bind up depression because I have the key to the kingdom. I have the key to access joy in my life. You have it. Now look at this. I'm just going to read these verses. You don't have to turn there. But in Psalms chapter 66 verse 1, you'll want to write them down and go back and look at them. Psalm 66 verse 1 says, Make a joyful shout to God all the earth. Psalms 81 verse 1 says, sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Psalm chapter 95 verse 2 says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Psalms 98 verse 4. 98 verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. And then we get over into Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Always. Joy has a voice. Every single one of these. Joy is saying something. Joy is shouting something. Joy is singing something. You cannot, you will have a hard time being joyful with your mouth shut. In fact, I will almost go as far to say that it will be nearly impossible for you to get over into joy with your mouth closed. It is going to require you to say something. You know what? It's going to be by faith. You may have to force yourself to laugh. I'm not kidding, it sounds stupid. But when you're in your car, when you're in your house and and, and things are just breaking down and, and you don't know what else to do, get in the Word. Get God's perspective on the issue, on the situation. Know that you are more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Know that He has already brought us over into victory. And then you just need to start worshiping and shouting. I'm telling you right now, depressed people, the people that are... Uh, in depression and, and have that kind of mentality, they don't worship God. I'll tell you right now, they don't spend any time worshiping and praising God. There is no time in their day where they just shut it all down. You say, you know what? Father, I praise you. Father, I worship you. I thank you for my life. I thank you for the breath that I'm breathing. I thank you for my family. I thank you that I have health. I thank you that I'm alive. I'm thank you. I thank you that I have a job. I thank you that I have a car. I thank you that I have a home. I thank you that I do have people that care about me. I mean, look at Jesus. Not only was he about to endure the cross. That's, that's something hard to go through. But he went through it all by himself. Every single one of the disciples, the men that he has spent the last three years with, left him. One of them betrayed him. One of them said, I don't know the man, three times. And then the other ones just ran ran away and fled. We talk about a depressed state. I'm getting ready to die for the people that are running away from me and leaving me hanging all by myself. And he's being condemned. He's being condemned. I mean, these people are making false accusations against him. There wasn't one thing that they brought to him that was truth. And the 12 people that spent the most time with him that could vouch for him. They're not even there to back him up. Much less the beating and the suffering and the pain. But it says, with joy he endured all that. With joy set before him. But that's because he has been spending time with his father. That's because he had spent time getting his father's perspective. Because he even said in the garden, look, this isn't my will, but I don't want my will, I want your will. And your will is that I go through this, because on the other side of this, mankind is going to be redeemed for once and all. So he was able to endure that. But depressed people and those that remain in those conditions, they don't spend any time worshiping God. They don't spend any time praising Him. They don't spend any time singing to them. They don't spend any time in in the Word finding out what's really going on. There's a change that needs to take place. And it's hard. When you're sick, when, when all your friends are turning their backs on you, when nothing seems to be going right, when it seems like your family's falling apart, and that's the time we need to do it the most. And it's easy to be joyful Coming out of a trial. It's easy to be joyful when your wife starts loving you again. It's easy to be joyful when your friends start talking to you again. It's easy to be joyful when money's in the bank. It's easy to be joyful when I'm not having to take any medicine. It's easy to be joyful when the gas, uh, when the car's full of gas. It's easy to be joyful when you just got a pay raise. But now, we gotta find a way to be joyful when we fall into those things. Find a way to be joyful when... Payday is five days away and there's no way to put gas in and you're not, you know you're not going to make it. Find a way to be joyful when, when your spouse isn't loving you like they should. Find a way to be joyful when your friends are turning their back on you. And the way you become joyful is by opening your mouth. Look, if you can't do it in front of other people, at least find a way to do it by yourself. At least take a lunch break, go in your car, and just shout at the top of your lungs and praise and worship God there. If you can't find a way to do it around your family, then go to the bathroom or go get in the closet and do it there. Find a way to open your mouth and praise and worship God. And it's going to feel stupid. It's going to feel contrary to everything that's going on around you. And it should. Because remember, we're here to change this stuff. And that's how you get Joyful. There are people that literally get in these clouds. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about sadness. I'm not saying you should never be sad. Man, when we lose family members that we shouldn't lose, or, or when, uh, when, when when sickness comes on and we're trying to fight through that, or, or when we see, you know, friends, you know, being hurt. In fact, the Bible tells us be joyful when others are joyful and be sad when others are sad. But it should never cloud you and keep you from pursuing your purpose it should never do that and that's what we have to break and we have to start by one getting in front of the mirror getting the right reflection don't don't sit around stuff that's just going to make you more depressed turn it off I mean you you see those people that you know all they're doing is just wallowing in the stuff that is bringing them down why? why? Quit listening to the music that makes you feel sad. Quit hanging around the people that all they do is talk sadness. You know what I do when I'm starting to feel that way? I get around someone that I know is going to hit me in the face and say, let's get up from this and let's move on. I know who I can go to and they're going to say, now you know what, it's okay. It's alright, you know what, we all go through this. And one day you'll be better because... I I know who's going to do that to me, and those are the people I stay away from. But I also know who's going to look at me and say, you know what, yeah, this thing, that does stink. That should have never happened. But you know what, we're going to move on from this, and we're going to do what we're supposed to do. Let's just take some time right now and praise and worship God. Let's just worship Him for what we do have. That's who I get around. Because you know what, I don't need to stay where I'm at. And if I can't do it by myself, then let me get around someone that's going to help me get out of that. And they know I do the same for them. We've all been through rough things. And we've all been through stuff that could just keep us in that position. But we've got to know what to do to get beyond that. Because here's, here's what depression does. Puts all the attention on you. We kind of talked about this with health. When you're sick, you're not helping anybody else. We need to be in a position to help other people. How can you know when the, when the sadness has, has overwhelmed you, when all you think about is yourself and your condition, and everything that happens around you becomes about you? When it all now is directed towards me, well, you know, no one even cares that I lost that person. No one even cares that I lost that job. No one even cares that I can't pay. Yeah, you're in, you're in a state of depression now. Because you are not thinking, man, what what can I do to help that person? That person is way worse off than I am. What can I do to help them out? But that's what depression does. You know what worshiping God does? It gets all the attention off of you. (laughs) When you're worshiping God, you're not thinking about yourself. In fact, if you are, you're thinking about what He's done for you. Because that's what worship is all about. He owns it all. He owns the land. He owns the car you drive. He owns the clothes you're wearing. He owns the breath in your mouth that you praise Him with. He owns the, the arms that are on your body to raise and, and worship Him with. He owns the, the legs that bow down before Him and worship and praise Him. He owns it all. And that's what worship's all about. It's just letting Him know, God... Thank you for letting me use the stuff that you have placed in my possession, because you own it. You can take it away at any time. You own this thing, so I'm going to use it to glorify you. But when, when you're worshiping God and when you're praising Him, you don't even have the opportunity to be depressed. You don't even have the opportunity to be anxious about anything. You're not even thinking about it. So that's what worship will do. It'll give you that action. How do we get the joy to remain? The joy remains, not because everything's going good. Because you know what? One day it's not going to go good. No one, one day it's not going to be going as well as it is today. That's the world we live in. I'm not saying we don't have authority over that and we should just be happy. I'm saying things will happen, but it's how you confront it and it's how you go through it that determines what you get out of it. So the joy doesn't remain just because things are always going well. If that is your foundation that you're building your joy on, get ready for a roller coaster ride of your life. Get ready to one day be up and the next day be down. Every, everybody loves you one day and they're talking about you the next. The money's there today, it's not there tomorrow. There's always something. One day you love your car and the next day it does something stupid and you hate it. <laughs> That's a roller coaster ride. No, our joy is founded on the word. So your joy remains because you give attention to God's word. That's how we get the joy to remain. That's why Jesus said, "The words that I've been speaking to you is so you have my joy, and that your joy will remain full." The Bible says, "The joy of the Lord is my strength." What is strengthening you? Because you know you need strength to get past this stuff. You know that you don't want to try to do it on your own. Well, I love that he put in there, he didn't say your joy is your strength. He says the joy of the Lord. Because my joy ain't going to get me very far. But man, when I can hook up to his, that's why he said I'm going to give you my joy. The same joy that I use to get me through the cross. The same joy that it gets me through persecution. The same joy that gets me through all these Pharisees and Sadducees uh, attacking my life and going after me. Uh, the, the same joy that I have when all these people are, are, are coming against me and wanting to throw me off cliffs. And wanting to stone me. And wanting to do this. And wanting to do that. That same joy is what I'm giving you. Because of the words that I'm speaking. He's saying everything I've told you is so that my joy will remain in you. The joy that remains... Look, you will have as much joy remain in your life as much as you give attention to God's Word. It's dependent on you. Well, you know, I just don't feel joyful. Well, guess what we need to do? We need to get in God's Word, and then we need to open our mouth and speak in alignment with God's Word. I mean, this is protocol. He says, uh, let us come before His presence... With thanksgiving. That means you have no right coming to his presence any other way. That's the protocol. To enter into God's presence, you better have something thankful to say. doesn't say, let us enter his presence with grumbling and complaining. Oh me, oh my. No, he says, go in with thanksgiving. That means, alright, I need to get in God's presence. I need to find something to be thankful for, or else I, don't, I can't get in. I mean, just picture a throne room. And there's a door and you're standing out outside thinking what am I going to be thankful for so I have access to go in here. Oh, okay. I'm thankful for my family. And then you're able to walk in. And that gives you access to God's presence. So that's protocol. You can't bend protocol in the kingdom. It's that way or you don't get in. And you know you need God's presence. You know that you you know that your friends' presence ain't going to work. Your job's presence, the presence of money, the presence of the the government doing everything the way we want them to do it, that's not going to get us through it. The presence of God is what's going to get us through it. And so we've got to learn how to operate in this joy. Father, we thank you right now. We just spend some time right now just to praise and worship you, Father. We honor you. We love you. We're thankful for Your Word. We thank, we're thankful that Your Word is what sustains us. It is the solid rock. Our joy is not founded upon uh, how well we're doing today or how I feel. And, you know, if I wake up tomorrow with a headache, you know, I'm not going to be very joyful. No, Father, we find a way to be joyful in all things. We count it all joy. We want access to Your presence all the time. So we, we're thankful. We come with thanksgiving. We come alive excited to be a part of your kingdom. Father, we're not moved and shaken by what happens around us. We don't care what we see. We don't care what we hear. We don't care how we feel. We are only moved by one thing, and that is your word. And your word never changes. Your word is the solid foundation, the solid rock. So we rest upon that today. And we find ourselves, when these things try to come up, no matter what it is, That we will find ourselves just being joyful because we want your perspective. And Father, I thank you that right now we will uh, determine within ourselves to give more access to your word. To to get in your word. When those things try to come against us, when when depressing people try to talk to us, that we'll find ourselves uh, uh, reciprocating that. With time in your word. As much time as we heard someone uh, talking terrible and and just talking depression and anxiety. We'll spend that time getting in your word and learning what your word has to say about it. And Father, we'll allow that to be our mirror. We'll allow that to show us our true identity. And that we will be able to operate in joy when people don't even understand why. When people don't even know, why are you so excited? This thing just happened. Man, I'm excited because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm excited because my God has all things in His hands. I'm excited because He's placed me in this earth with authority and dominion. I've got a work to do. I have a purpose to fulfill. I have a calling on my life. I have a fit to, to, to maintain in this earth. And I'm here for a purpose. And yeah, I might be sad about that. Yeah, I might not be excited about that thing, but I'm excited about what God does have for me and I'm going to pick myself up. We'll find people around us being excited. We'll find people around us, their demeanor will just all of a sudden change just because of the word they're hearing us speak. I thank you that we can be that light in a dark place. That we can, we, we can, we can bring that to our, our jobs and our friends, our homes. That things will be brighter, things will be more exciting just because we showed up on the scene. That's our job as kingdom citizens, to influence this earth. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for your word, that it is powerful, it will accomplish all, that it is sent to do. The word that we've heard tonight, that we will learn to operate with these keys of the kingdom. Learn to access joy the way you have determined for us to access it. And we will fulfill our purpose in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.